Hello and welcome to Living with Hospice. My name is Mitch Ware and it's my pleasure to be your host today. Come on in, grab a cup of freshly brewed coffee or if you'd like a cold drink out of the fridge. You might even find a tab in there. I think my wife and I are the only two people that drink tab anymore. We're probably keeping that part of Coca-Cola in business. By the way, we really appreciate your time and we appreciate your comments. We are 22 episodes into this and would love to hear from you on how we're doing. Please send us a note at www.livingwithhospice.info. That's www.livingwithhospice, all one word, dot info. And thank you to those who've already dropped us a note. It really helps us get better. A while back, we did an episode on how do you talk to someone who's dying? And that episode was very well received. And I think it's something that we all can relate to. It's just awkward. Well, many of us also run into people that are grieving, and we just don't know what to say. Some of us feel the need to say something that will make our friend feel better. Some of us feel the need to ignore the huge elephant in the room and just talk about something else entirely, kind of denial. And some of us just clam up. Some of us just don't just don't talk at all, or we just avoid the whole thing. We don't even go there. We don't even go see that person. Or if we're with that person, when we find out, we find a way to get away because we just don't know what to say. And it's just too darn painfully awkward. Let's look at a few observations that I've gathered along the way. First, when we encounter somebody that's that's obviously grieving, we have to remember, hey, this is not about you. This is about them. A good approach is to say, I'm sorry about your situation, you know, whether it's death or, or a loss of a house or, or whatever they're grieving. Invest in them and only them at that moment. You can see if they want to talk. And if they do, the best way to comfort them is to be a good listener. They need to talk. It's part of the grieving process and it's part of their healing. As Granny used to say, you cannot be a good listener if your mouth is working. Boy, <laughs> that's so true. You do not need to be a cheerleader. You don't need to be verbal. You don't need to have all the answers. Just let them speak and just listen. Second, and this is very hard for some of us, do not say, oh, well, you know, my uncle or my aunt had that happen to them and dang, it was awful. That doesn't help anything. Also, don't tell the story about your loved one or friend that was sick and then say, oh, yeah, you know, geez, they died from it. And it was really awful. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people, heard stories about people that do that. Or I've, uh, I've actually been in the, in the presence of someone who actually did that. Do not be that person. <laughs> We're often caught off guard and and we're trying to do our best to deal with the situation and and at the same time we kind of struggle with our own feelings and and it's kind of a mess i get it after all we're all human and i guess we as humans know that misery loves company and i catch myself falling into that old oh i can relate my uh so and so or my mom or whomever had a similar situation I've even caught myself saying, yeah, you know, I had a patient that went through this, and sometimes it's right. Sometimes it fits. Sometimes it's encouraging, but often it isn't. 
Because again, this is not about you. It's about them. So how do you know when is a good time to share info like that? Well, ask yourself, are you, are you sharing this to be part of the yep, me too crowd? Or are you, are you sharing it solely to inform your grieving friend, hey, there's another option or there's an alternative or there's hope? Or, you know, just to share some good info with them. In other words, what is your motivation? And I know these things happen so fast, especially when you're caught off guard. The last thing you want to, the last thing you can do is self-analyze your thoughts and feelings. But just if you can, stop and think: Are you sharing this for them or for yourself to break the the awkwardness, to give you something to say, so you don't just stand there quietly and awkward? Well, you know this is tough medicine, but it's important. And truth be told, we are all guilty of needing to say something, and so we say something, and sometimes the something is not good. It's not appropriate. So just keep that in mind. Third, tell your friend or loved one that you're there to listen if they want to talk, that you're there to hear them if they want to talk. You're there to be with them if if they need you or want you there, or you're there to provide a shoulder to cry on if that is what they want. And let it be just that. Again, no need to struggle with something to say. Just be that that shoulder there. Hey, it is critical for your loved one to know that their grief, the sense of loss that they're going through, is legitimate. And their, their loss is acknowledged by you. Let me say that again. It's critical for, the love, for your loved one to know that their grief is legitimate and their loss is acknowledged by you. People who are hurting need to know they're cared for. One way to do that is just by affirming and validating their feelings is legitimate, common, and normal. It's appropriate. Those feelings are reasonable under these circumstances. They're okay. Fourth, when your loved one tells you how they feel, Receive what they say as genuine and sincere. Don't judge them. Don't say, well, you know, in the back of your mind, eh, they're just being overly sensitive or they're weak. Especially guys, don't, don't, don't make those judgments. Again, we all need validation, and, and people that are hurting need it in the worst way. And, and more than once. Sometimes you go back the next day or a week later, and they're still hurting, especially if they lost like their whole house or, I mean, a loved one for sure. And that's obvious. But but people that, that lose things, like they had their favorite car that they restored with their kids for 10 years and they got it on the road and it's beautiful and it's, it's going to be a family heirloom and, and they come out in the garage one day and it's gone. Well, if you're not a car person, you probably think, what's the big deal about that? I mean, isn't it insured? That's not the point. And that kind of loss hurts for a long time because there's so much love and sentimentality into something like that. Fifth, be genuine and sincere in what you do and say. Don't be patronizing. Do not express pity. Let me say that again. Don't express pity. Again, many times we're caught off guard in these situations and we really don't have time to think about it, right? I mean, that happens to me a lot. Your sincerity is important. Be transparent in your concern. 
keep it at an honest level and keep it about them, not about you, not about your aunt, not about somebody else that's gone through something the same as you. Keep it about them. And as Granny said, be a good listener. Sixth, this really could be part of number five, but is vitally important for you and and your loved ones, so I'm highlighting it on its own. Don't be afraid to show tears. Tears are so important. Guys, this means you too. We show our hearts and our sincerity when we shed our tears. We express and communicate our concerns. Our, Our true inner feelings come out when tears show up. Shedding those tears shows your loved one that you care, that they matter, that you heard what they said. And, and what they're going through is acknowledged and it's legitimate. Shedding tears is a level of intimacy that everybody needs when they're hurting. So let it happen. Okay, the next observation, number seven, I guess, will be be willing to just be present. We talk about this a lot in other episodes. It's one of the most important things when dealing with someone who is hurting, someone who is um, feeling a sense of loss. That means just sitting or standing quietly. Just our presence speaks volumes. Sometimes it's best to just be, just be there. Share the same space and and just be quiet and, and just be present. Have you noticed that in just being quiet, for some of us, if our mind is racing on other things, it's just really awkward? I suggest during these times, think about what you want your heart to literally say to your loved ones. Maybe you pray for them. Think about the memories that you have with them. Think about your relationship with them and just be at peace with just being there, just being present. Next, which is eighth and finally, ask how you can help. Most of the time you'll hear, I don't know, or you already are, thank you. Don't discount that. Tons of people will bring tons of food and and snacks and drinks and things But almost nobody, and I mean nobody, will just be there for them and is willing to sit quietly with them or to sit and let them just talk. And that's because it's uncomfortable, can be uncomfortable, and can be awkward. It requires some emotional strength to do that. You have to to open your ears, turn off your mind to your own agenda and things going on in your life. Close your mouth, open your ears, and let them talk. And when the talking is done, let your heart speak to theirs. And it's one of the best gifts you can give anyone who's grieving. Here are a few other important things to consider. People begin grieving long before someone passes away. Most people start grieving when they first hear a prognosis. So we need to be mindful of that as we enter this end-of-life journey with them. People are are grieving the loss of jobs, the loss of friends, the loss of a family pet even. We lost a dog that we had for 13 years. And my kids took it rough. And, And to this day, which is many years later, if you talk to them about that, they'll admit that was a really sad time. They really loved that dog. 
But there's people who, who lose a marriage or they lose their position for no reason of their own, like with this COVID-19 pandemic thing going around. Or, or maybe a loss of a home, something, a house burned down. Or here in Michigan, we had horrible floods. People lost their homes. And of course, on the lakeshore, if you've been watching the news, uh, homes have been falling into, the, into Lake Michigan because of the, of the storms and the high water level. This is legitimate grief. These, these are legitimate losses that impact lives, and it impacts them for their lifetime, and maybe even for their children's lifetime. There are many reasons people grieve, and we run into them all the time. They're in our circle of friends and acquaintances. And you know what? The grief process is the same, and, and how we should handle it is the same, with empathy, with transparency, with dignity, and be supportive. And above all, be there. Be present. There was a guy in mid-Michigan who was a Hilo driver in, in a big grocery warehouse. And, you know, this guy was so stereotypical. He was a mountain of a man. He was an ex-Marine who just happened to be very, very proud of his service and very vocal to those who served in other parts of the military, if you know what I mean. And for the sake of privacy, we'll just call him Buzz. Buzz was a tough guy. I mean, he uh, he made it known he was a tough guy. He kind of kind of lived that persona and built it up whenever he could. He was uh, he was a, a union steward. He was a safety committee member. He was the an officer in the local VFW. He, oh yeah, he was a semi-professional stone lifter. Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> who knew? And uh, for for those who don't know, and, and a lot of people don't know, this guy is a professional stone lifter. lifts three hundred pound stones, giant rocks, and and he does this in a strongman competition. And they they go all over the world uh, doing this. <laughs> I think its roots are in Scotland or Ireland. It's been around for centuries. At any rate, Buzz was, you know, he was all that in a bag of chips. One day, Buzz came home to catch his wife crying. And when he asked her, you know, honey, what's wrong? She said she'd been to the doctor and that she had some bad news. There was something wrong with her pancreas and and the doctors were referring her to an oncologist. Buzz was shocked. He, he couldn't believe what he was hearing. His wife, his beautiful Julie, was the healthiest person on earth. She was a high school athlete. She was a non-smoker. She was a woman who ran half marathons for charity. There must be a mistake somewhere. So Buzz tried to cheer her up and even offered to take her out to supper. Hey, let's go out and grab some pizza and... She just looked at him with total disgust. She goes, pizza? You're thinking about pizza? Ugh, you big ugly lug and stormed out of the room. Poor Buzz. He had no idea what he did or said was wrong, but was willing to apologize for whatever it was. He entered into the bedroom and that Julie'd run into, and, and he did just that. As weeks went on, Julie took her treatments and faithfully followed all of her doctor's orders. Buzz was right there with her every step of the way. A few months later, 
Buzz's beautiful Julie lost her fight with cancer. Buzz, being the tough guy that he is, kept up a good front. At the visitation, at the memorial service, at the VFW, he was taking his week of funeral leave off, plus some additional vacation days. Buzz wasn't going to let his true feelings surface. Marines don't do that. You keep them in check, and you move on. One evening, an old service buddy of his named Zach stopped by his house. He found Buzz out back working on this old wooden fishing boat. After some small talk, the old buddy Zach expressed his condolences. and It was just awkward. He felt like he needed to say something. And he said the right thing. I'm really sorry for your loss, bud. I don't, I don't know what else to say. If you want to talk about it, I'm here. And then he asked, how can I help, Buzz? Buzz looked him in the eye and said, Zach, there ain't nothing anybody can do for me now. But thanks. Zach had seen a, a lot of loss in combat and back home. He was now a policeman and he'd pulled, you know, people out of burning cars, helped console an elderly couple when their lifetime home burnt down around them right to the ground. He buried his own brother who battled ALS. Actually, Zach and Buzz have both seen a lot of loss. Well, Zach knew that Buzz was really hurting inside, and so he sat with him, and they each enjoyed a cold beverage and just kind of watched the birds and squirrels play there in the backyard. Buzz eventually said, you know what? Thanks, man. Thanks. And Zach just kind of looked at him and nodded his head. And Buzz says, no, really, man, thanks for not trying to make me feel better (laughs) with some kind of stupid platitude or some Hallmark stuff. They had a good laugh, and the old Marine buddy, Zach, just winked again and took another sip of his drink. He eventually said, you know, how can I help you, Buzz? What do you need? Buzz replied, nothing's going to fill this void of that Julie left. It's And as he went on, tears came rolling down his cheeks and he began to tell he began to tell Zach the stories about how they first met and how she was the love of his life and how he feels just lost without her. You know, the life just isn't the same. It's like half of him is gone. Zach just sat there and let it all sink in and and let Buzz just pour out his heart. He didn't try to explain anything. He didn't say anything special. He was just present. As Buzz went on, he told Zach things, feelings, that he'd never shared about this beautiful Julie. And the most important was how defenseless and how lost he felt without her. And and nothing can fix that. Nothing can take her place. Now both guys are batting back tears and wiping their eyes and and Zach, the old Marine buddy, said, you know, I, Buzz, I don't have any answers for you, man. I, all I can say is I'm here for you. I'll help you however I can. And just like we were over there in country, I got your back. And I know you got mine. And I know we'll get through this, this one, too. I know we will. Zach was being an excellent friend. He knew 
that he couldn't fix this loss for Buzz. He knew there was nothing magical he could even think of, let alone say, to make the hurt go away. The best thing he could do was be there for his friend. When his buddy needed him the most, he was there. And he didn't have to say anything. He just had to be there, to be present. And that, my friends, was more than enough. When we encounter someone who is grieving, let it be their grief. Tune into them. Turn off your agenda. Just let it sink in. Listen. Listen to what they're saying. And when when they're done talking, you don't have to come up with, like Buzz said, some sort of fancy platitude or a hallmark remark, (laughs) something you'd find on a card. Just be there with them. Let them know you're sorry it happened and ask if you can help. Ask how you can help. Ask when you can help. And ask if they want to talk. And if they do, and most do, eventually they really do, let them and just listen. Thanks for listening today. If you like our podcast, please leave comments and thumbs up on the platform that you're listening to. And please tell your friends that are approaching or are perhaps in an end-of-life experience or a hospice experience, tell them about this podcast. You'll find us almost everywhere that you can get podcasts nowadays. And you can email us directly, if you'd like, at livingwithhospice.com at gmail.com. That's livingwithhospice, all one word, at gmail.com. And you can find our website at www.livingwithhospice.info. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, I'm Mitch Ware for Living with Hospice. Have a blessed day.